And welcome back to Hey Eintracht Frankfurt, the Bundesliga podcast, covering everything there is to know in the English language about Eintracht Frankfurt, the best club in the Bundesliga, the best club in Germany, the best club in Europe, the best club in the world for that matter. But we are a little bit biased. I am your host, Brian and Casey. You can find me on Twitter at KCSGE. You can follow the show, more importantly, on Twitter. That is at HEFPod. Follow us on Instagram. That is Hey Eintracht Frankfurt. Follow us on Facebook, where you can find all the latest English language content covering the Eintracht in one convenient location. That is Facebook.com slash HEFPod. Uh, which was not impacted by the Facebook rebrand. Uh, little, uh, yeah, we're not going any further down than that. Trying to steer clear of social media uh, fiascos that are out there in the world. We're here to talk about the Eintracht, the Eintracht Frauen, and none other to join me on this to discuss, especially about uh, the Frauen who uh, he follows fervently with his little Wayne, is a uh, curse in Detroit. How is the Motor City? Oh, I'm just thrilled to be back here on uh, Hef Meta, if you will. Or we're not rebranding. Sorry, I missed that part. Um, yeah, <laughs> things are going great here in Detroit. I have got 3,000 incandescent lights that are ready to go on the house. I'm going full Clark W. Griswold with the house this year. It's going to be a fun If anyone does not get the reference, uh, watch the movie Christmas Vacation. If you do get the reference, share it with your friends who do not recognize that because... I mean, to me, I consider that basically part of pop culture that is inescapable. But here we're to talk about the Eintracht and everything there is to know about Eintracht Frankfurt as a football club, football club. And, well, in case anyone was only on their rock, uh, the men uh, players were all on various parts of the globe uh, trotting around. Uh, with our international fellow international teams, so we'll get to the kind of list of w- what player did what and where. But the team that was in action was De Frauen, coming off that heart, cr- that soul crushing defeat. But it felt, cr- I mean, it felt crushing enough considering the referee basically was like, you know what, I'll give you an extra two minutes to you Wolfsburg to try and figure this out and go figure that they did. Uh, um, it's like yeah, we've seen that on. exact script before <laughs> only in reverse when it comes to the men well, let's let be me, real let me put it this way um, since I missed the, the last round corner segment uh, I'll circle back for just a minute uh, it would have been really easy to roll over lick our wounds um, getting knocked out of the cup competition <laughs> like we did uh, a competition mm-hmm. where we thrive the, the women's side absolutely thrives in that tournament um they could have come out slow against wolfsburg a week later and said you know what hey it happens but we didn't we came out swinging we landed the first several punches um the changes at the half i thought we were okay you could see we were playing not to lose at that point but i didn't think we did it in a way that really uh it really said we're going to lose this it was just more of a play the clock out Still had a few chances to score in the second half and couldn't. But the response um, coming out of the loss, the heartbreaking loss in Wolfsburg, to me told us everything we need to know. We're not a young team anymore. We're an experienced team. They've been to a cup final. They've beaten top teams in the league. Um, they're growing up right in front of our eyes. And a 6-0 victory coming off a heartbreaking loss tells you everything you need to know about 
the strength of their minds right now. 100%. Look, the way that they just decided to just come out and absolutely thrash, absolutely thrash Jenna, uh, Jenna, I think is how it's pronounced, 6 yeah. 0. I mean, it's like as though they just they took their anger out on the East German club and just that thumping 6 0 victory to me says all that you need to know about the Frauen Bundesliga and how you have your haves and you have your have-nots. Eintracht is amongst the haves. And you know what? Currently sitting um, on goal difference, uh, one spot above uh, uh, Potsdam in fourth place. Uh, Bayern is above Eintracht. We're all on the same amount of points, 18 points. Uh, One point above is Wolfsburg and Hoffenheim, both on 19 points. And uh, in sixth place, you got Leverkusen on 15, and then there is a colossal, a colossal drop to seventh place. I mean, it's <laughs> it there. It's is such a distinct have and have nots. It's no wonder that the Eintracht really put the hurt on Jena. And uh, this this upcoming weekend's match, uh, this match against Bayer Leverkusen. I mean, on Sunday. To me, this and it's a shame that uh, the earlier kickoff, uh, the, the Bayern München and Jena, was decided for to be picked for ATA football to stream in the United States. I guess what we'll to just revert to the usual, terrible match. you know, illegal streams, VPN, uh, the Magenta Sports Stream, if you have that, which is how you know Eintracht fans will be able to watch the Frauen at the weekend. You know what? This is going to be a very interesting match to me. Uh, Leverkusen is just a squad that uh, they finish. They like Eintracht and Potsdam were on the outside looking in as the season wound down. Hoffenheim, who's currently, as I mentioned, in second place, ended up in third place to get the Champions League uh, spot. You know that provides the clubs with uh, greater resources, greater exposure, and you know. That's that's what the the Erste FFC Frankfurt was known for was its participation within Europe, along with I will give credit uh, to uh, Tobin Potsdam, uh, who are just right outside of uh, Berlin. These uh, these female uh, only clubs uh, with the merger with Eintracht, it's been just a not a question of if, but a question of when the club would return to the top. And to me. As progress has been made, I honestly believe that this team is on the up and up. And against Leverkusen, you will have a proper test before they go back onto international duty, uh, the females, that is. And uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to this weekend. Uh, twofold, you got, uh, <laughs> you'll basically will have uh, Eintracht's men's team. Uh, play and then you immediately followed by the female team literally 30 minutes later kicking off and brilliant opportunity for both teams to kind of show themselves for uh, what kind of skills that they have and it it's not going to get any easier because immediately following the international break you have Turbine Potsdam uh, that I mentioned who's also one of the the haves who's in the running fourth, the elusive third place and beyond Champions League spot. This is uh this is gonna be 
this is a real crunch crunch match and is going to be uh, kind of will put Eintracht either in the driver's seat or basically have to be on the outside looking in, kicking themselves as they're going on to international duty. Yeah, th- this is going to be a show me match. Uh, show me who you are. Show me what you got. Show me who is going to make a difference. Because uh, Leverkusen, while they're sitting at six, they're third on points. They're six because of goal differential. Um, they allow a ton of goals. They've allowed 14 goals through eight matches. And there's, you know, nobody even, nobody even close to that level of um, poor defense in the top half of the table. So, I mean, you got to go, let me look, you got to go down to like Freiburg at eight and Cologne at nine to find anyone with that bad of a defensive record. So there's goals to be had. Um, but we're coming to the end here before the next international break. Uh, like you said, it's not going to get easier after that. So this is a match where you want to see focus because Leverkusen, while they're not playing great, they're finding a way to win matches, three of their last five. So uh, let's not overlook them. I think it, it will be easier to handle than some of the more recent matches. We've played top-level competition, but let's not be looking ahead to international breaks, travel, rest and relaxation, all that stuff. Let's take care of business. Give me that 4-2 or 4-1 victory, and I'll be happy. I can totally agree with that because uh, this is a team that is uh, capable of making some, getting some awesome results. We've already seen it against Bayern earlier this season, so why not against uh, Leverkusen, a team who, just like Eintracht, you know, you finished outside of the European places. You might, you might have had a good season of varying success. It kind of. <laughs> kind of really, really, really depends on how you look at last season. I still look at last season as a success in making the Pokal final and, you know, using that to kind of leapfrog, uh, just be that um, trampoline that the players need to jettison themselves into the upper echelons of the Bundesliga, where you will then be able to participate at that high end, that High end level, the big the big kid table uh, seat right there for the women's champions league. Granted, you'll have to go through a qualification for that, but you know, uh, Wolfsburg went through it, had no problem. Uh, Hoffenheim was able to do it, and now they're in the uh, the much expanded group phase. Currently, uh, the women's champions league. That's what this club aspires to do, and because of the history that this uh, the club had under the Erste FFC Frankfurt tag, and. Uh, I do believe that this is the team that uh, has the players with the skill set to be able to take this club onto uh, bigger and greater heights. That being said, uh, I kind of mentioned we've been talking about the females um, playing the last match before they go off on international duty. Uh, International duty has been uh, taken on by the men's uh, players as guys were going here, there, and everywhere. It's a lot to get through, so I'll kind of rattle it off real quick. Um, Interregger and Nils Sanker, uh helped uh, Austria defeat Israel and Moldova in their two World Cup qualifiers, and thanks to also their uh, previous matches in the uh, UEFA Nations League, they have made the UEFA playoffs for World Cup qualifying. Um, this is not that I, I may have uh, kind of laid out how Europa League and uh, Europa Conference League kind of knockout stuff is. 
I'm really not feeling up to uh, rattling that off for the World Cup qualifiers for UEFA because that's a lot of muck to trudge through. So I'm just going to uh, go on uh, down the list. So Colombia, uh, they played uh, with uh, Bore. He was part of the team that lost to Brazil and then had a nil-nil draw just the other day with Paraguay. Happens in case anyone's thinking, why would you freaking lo- not defeat Paraguay? Well, uh, in case anyone did not know, those guys uh, all are able to speak, in addition to Spanish, they're all able to speak this local dialect that's called Guarani. It's kind of an interesting uh, indigenous language that still exists within Paraguay and allows themselves to kind of be able to communicate with themselves and also understand what the opposition are discussing just as well whilst not being understood themselves and uh yeah he's in uh he and uh colombia are in a position where whilst currently sitting uh in uh the the final world automatic qualification spot with colombia they still have another uh four matches to go and it is very tight on the conmebol and whilst uh, Brazil and Argentina have already qualified, and Ecuador looks like they're kind of locked. Shame that we don't have a certain Ecuadorian uh, central defender anymore, but, you know, life moves on, and so does my rattling on of everyone else's international duty. Um, yeah, Jakic was with uh, Croatia, where they defeated Malta, expected, and then had the crunch match with Russia, a 1-0 victory to secure qualification to uh, the 2022 World Cup. So, well done, Jakic. I'm sure uh, the progress that you are making with the Eintracht will mean that you will be on the plane to Qatar. Though, let's be real, no one really wants to have it played there. Anywho, <laughs> Daichi Kamada did go all the way to Japan to link up with uh, the Blue Samurai. And uh, mixed uh, mixed results uh, against Vietnam and Oman. They're actually on the outside looking in for the Asian qualifiers. KT, Kevin Trapp, was called up by Germany, which is a freaking waste of his talent, to be fair. He should have been back in Frankfurt training with the players who did not get called up to international duty because... Let's be real. Um, Neuer is not being superseded by anyone. And Ter Stegen is obviously always seen as the number two. What is the freaking point of calling up Kevin Trapp unless you actually want to play him? Um, he'll obviously think that it's a great honor to be part of the German national team. But from a logistic standpoint, this just looks... This was just dumb. Anyways, enough of my whinging about the German national team. Barcock was with uh, Morocco, who took care of business. They're going to, uh, they proceeded to the next round of World Cup qualifiers in a two-match uh, playoff in a, against an opponent to be determined to make, uh, to set up if they qualify for the World Cup or not. Kostic was uh, out there playing with Serbia, and they defeated Portugal 2-1, uh, to qualify for the World Cup. Jens Petahalga was with Norway. Uh, they really shit themselves. And uh, they were on the outside looking into a playoff spot. Had a really good chance. And, like I said, shit themselves by drawing with Latvia. Enough said there. And uh, <laughs> uh, uh, uh led Switzerland uh, to a 1-1 draw in Rome against Italy, where they then defeated Bulgaria, immediately following that to secure qualification to the World Cup, whilst Hristic also was part of the Australian national team who had a pair of draws in their World Cup qualifiers against Saudi Arabia and China. Whew, 
that takes care of everything. And uh, Chris, it does look like no one is hurt. Is your voice okay after that long litany of uh, updates? <laughs> hey, plenty of guys had plenty of action going on. But you know what? Congratulations to, look, Serbia hasn't been in uh, an international tournament like for a minute. And with a couple guys uh, getting their World Cup qualifiers in the way that they wanted. No, it, it's a balancing act because there's certain guys I wouldn't mind seeing on the bench or preferably mm-hmm. not traveling at all. But then there's other guys you want that experience, especially ones that are maybe not seeing the pitch as much that you want to get the confidence of. For me, Parcock's definitely Parcock. Yeah. And, you know, one, there's something about what you do on international duty, too, that might endear you to Glasner and say, hey, let's give this guy a shot. He looked hot for the last two weeks. Let's see what he can do for us this weekend. Mm-hmm. I can agree with that. Definitely agree. But for me, I mean, you couldn't have asked for a better time for Barkhawk to get uh, some good minutes in. Uh, not that they really were challenged at all, but you know what? Uh, plenty of players are returning home in jovial moods. And I like to think that I like to cost it. So they're going to be freaking buzzing. They're going to be bouncing, ready to take on the freaking world. Just ready to go, and uh, yeah, that that kind of mojo can only help the Eintracht. So, Chris, you know, we've got a pretty solid bit for part two. Why don't we get into our favorite segment breaker, hashtag, what are we drinking? What do you have to bring to the table today? All right. Well, it's cold outside. It's really cold outside. So, I decided to turn up the Define heat a little cold bit. in Michigan. Oh, we're not we're not even remotely close to where we're going to be, but we're dropping into the twenties right now. Uh, but I had to heat things up a little bit, so it's there's three seasons in my calendar: there's soccer season, there's hockey season, and there's gluevine season. So mm-hmm. I I opened up gluevine season tonight. Uh, I wasn't prepared to make my own mulled wine yet, um, but I stopped by Aldi. And got the good old Aldi Chris Kindle glue vine and yep. heat it up nice and simple. Throw a cinnamon stick in there. Oh, it's good stuff. I mean, I, I prefer the homemade stuff, but the stuff from Aldi takes me right back to Nuremberg. Oh, man, it sounds so good. Mine's the whole Nuremberg bit, but, you know. Great city. Awful football, but great city. Yeah, you know, we we got to experience that, what, a couple of weeks ago uh, when we the Eintracht was in the suburbs of that city. I mean, it uh, it really is crap. <laughs> I, I am a little bit biased. I uh-huh. spent four, a little over four years there. I'm a little biased, but uh, yeah, great, great mulled wine from the region. You know, I... Really do love some mold wine. Uh, I have not gotten mine for the season uh, just yet. Um, perhaps I will be making an appearance in the near term future. But today, uh, so I was gifted an entire crate. Uh, well, I, crate's not the right term. Uh, a case of uh, Boulevard wheat, the original OG Boulevard beer. I know Nathan is a little uh, sniffy about 
<laughs> the product is coming out from Boulevard, but to me, it is still the staple beverage that Boulevard creates that is available year round. And uh, hey, who doesn't like free beer? That's the best beer. Yeah, the best beer is the free beer. So, you know, I got a case of that. I've been opening up them up bit by bit. As you can hear audibly me cracking open another one bottle cap on the table. So, Chris, to the season. Prost. And that's going to wrap it up for segment one of Hey Hunter Frankfurt. Stay with us for just a few more moments. We'll get right into some fun discussion stuff uh, in segment two. So stay with And we are back. Segment two of Hey Eintracht Frankfurt. It's good to have you back on the show, Chris. But now we have to get into some really tense conversations. Are you ready for that? You know I like to get angry, so lay it on. Well, I mean, we we do have some betting odds, but we'll throw that on to uh, the Eintracht match that's coming up. And... Um, yeah, so I wanted to, and I threw this out there on Twitter, uh, personalized tickets. What do people feel about it? And I think I didn't thoroughly explain it. So I'm going to go in a different direction here today. And the explanation of uh, the 2G and the 3G within Germany. So um, as really just kind of got rolled out within the last 24 hours, so really just hours before uh, we actually went to record, um, Germany is placing themselves under tighter uh, restrictions to curb um, the issues with the unvaccinated. So excuse me, Walsh, I kind of read out what Frau Merkel and co have been kind of putting into place. So it basically what they're trying to do is that in areas where the hospital rate of more than three COVID patients per 100,000 people or the last seven days have been occurred, that only the vaccinated and those who have recovered from the virus will be allowed to access public spaces such as Bundesliga matches, cultural shows, and restaurants. Woof. I mean, <laughs> that's kind of inter- That is real tight. And that's, to me, kind of just squeezes everyone who just is not vaccinated into the point of, hey, you can either deal with this or you can get vaccinated. And you can still, I mean, you yeah, you can still get COVID-19 to, even if you have the vaccination. But the thing is, what it prevents is, you know, death, which I would, I mean, kind of important. Yeah. <laughs> Just saying. For me, Chris, I think this is really key in terms of possibly uh, making the difference in terms of uh, fan attendance. But maybe that's just me because 
just to throw it out there where the Bundesliga is currently sitting at this very moment. So Eintracht is going to be traveling south to Freiburg to play at the new Europa Park. Um, so they are in regulation uh, 2G right now. So what are the the requirements are that a uh, mask requirement will be on for the entire stadium, including the public areas. Um, and they're currently not even using the full capacity of the standing room areas at present. But they will allow for admitted spectators 100% occupancy, but that's only uh, just under 35,000. So for me, as someone who's going to be attending uh, a playoff match uh, in the MLS Cup, uh, uh, MLS Cup playoffs this upcoming weekend, I'm very much kind of on the cautious end of things. Also, got to realize that I'm not the only one attending the matches there. So, for me, compulsory and masking should be just a thing, just a normal thing until a population has gotten their. Uh, general populace vaccinated to the degree where, you know, honestly, it is just safe to be able to interact with anyone and everyone of all ages without fear of COVID-19 causing fatalities. And look, we want all the fans in the stands, but we, I mean, there has to be also some, you know, caution put out there because I think you will agree with me, Chris, on this. And I know this is a little long-winded, uh, but that is nothing new for me, is that, you know, when you have all these thousands of fans that are in these small, confined uh, arenas, you know, anything and everything can always happen. Like, remember back to when we lost to Darmstadt at home and the ultras stormed the, stormed the pitch and you had the police that came in? I mean, that looked like it could have kicked off. didn't. Thank God. Otherwise, that could have been just a catastrophic event that would have been hot on uh, everyone's kind of a, uh, sports and news segments around the world. And thankfully, it didn't. But that's something that you always risk uh, having. Something can always happen where you have thousands upon thousands of fans grouped into these small confined spaces. Chris, I'm sure you in your own uh, mode of work would agree that you know, putting on these major events, whether it is uh, the Bundesliga or just a concert, that security is always a risk. And the fact that it's uh, health uh, conscious security now that's also coming into play, it's quite difficult to put on these events and from to make everyone feel safe whilst attending. All right. So uh, for those that don't know, I work in the uh, safety and security uh, field for sports and entertainment with major league uh, uh, sports around my city here. And I'll give it this perspective Um, as a sports fan and as a professional in the safety industry, what the fuck are we doing? Like we're 18 months into this and all right. So we want to go to these events, right? But we don't want to be told to wear a mask. But we don't want to demand that people be vaccinated. Um, we don't, I don't want to step on anyone's rights because, you know, whatever, your rights are your rights, sure. But you cannot have the nice things without doing some of the tough things that it takes to get there. 
So if you want to go to a concert, if you want to go to a sporting event, hell, if you want to go to a restaurant and not wear a mask, go get vaccinated. Or if you don't want to get vaccinated, put on your damn mask. I went to a hockey game last week. There were 20,000 people there and I'm fully vaccinated. I wore my mask because it just felt like the right thing to do. I took it off to have a beer and then I put it back on when I walked the concourse. I don't know. I'm getting off track, but the point is like (laughs) if we want to have 30, 40, 50,000 people in a stadium and we don't want restrictions, we, we want our ultras back and everybody one for all and all that stuff. We have to take that one for all attitude to fight this pandemic because we haven't talked about it too much on this podcast and, People, you know, reach out and hate us if we talk too much about it or say we don't talk enough about it. But the reality is we can't talk about the fan situation without talking about the lack of responsibility outside of the sporting world. Um, Are people getting vaccinated? Are people taking care of their kids when they go to school? Are they, you know, taking care care of their elderly family or neighbors? The things we have to do to end this pandemic outside of sports will make sports far more enjoyable for us that want to be in the stadium. Can totally agree with that. I it's I don't know where I was going with that, but it, it just bugs me because um, 18 months ago when all this started, we were like, oh, yeah, a few months of doing the right thing. Oh, maybe six months of doing the right thing. Well, we're a year and a half into it, and people don't know what the right thing is anymore. And we all know what we have to do, but nobody wants to do it. And... It's not an American thing. We just, you know, think our rights are more important than everybody else's, but it's a it's a global thing now. You know, we really need to buckle down cuz I'll tell you what, what's coming up here in 12 months is a World Cup and for all the issues uh with Qatar's hosting credentials and all that, um that's truly the the grandest global spectacle in soccer. And it's going to be pretty shitty trying to watch a World Cup without you know fans coming from all over the world and having a restricted crowd size or something like that i don't want anything to do with a world cup where we don't have seventy thousand screaming fans face painted all that kind of stuff so let's just get our shit together i i mean i applaud germany for taking a very scientific and technical route for this but it means absolutely nothing to the soccer world if people outside the soccer world don't take it serious. Can totally relate to that. Can totally agree with that. I know some people are probably saying, how dare you bring this up? But look, there's a reason why the stadium is not full, despite, you know, like the full restrictions being released. Look, people are not hundred percent back to feeling safe about going into the stadium. And, Whilst we're trying, we're trying to shed light on all things uh, about this, you know, not try just bring the information to everyone because this is something that is an ongoing issue within the Bundesliga. I mean, it's it's a uh, it's going to be interesting where each of the next couple matches take us because uh, you know Eintracht has got, uh, I mean. After Freiburg, oh God, who who do we have? <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm starting to blank right now. Uh, yeah, we've got Union Berlin, who you know uh, those guys are gearing up for uh, the Berlin Derby. 
there are a lot more sanctions. There's a lot more restrictions in place for that match. Uh, they have the one with us. Uh, as I literally uh, scroll back to uh, what they had, and I realize that I need to tra hit the translate button on it all over again. So, uh, mask compulsory, all, you know, off the course recommendation of vol where voluntary. Uh, you know, have voluntary tests and mass on sites. Like, have have your vaccination uh, status, a uh, proof of that, or a recent COVID test. Now, a lot of fans in uh, certain parts of Germany, um, you can take a while. You can take a guess at which part of the country is absolutely anti anti this, and take a guess at which part of the country is more and thinking. All right, so this is how we get through. This is how we progress. This is how we get society back to what was pre-existing. And it's, um, yeah, it's a, uh, it's not surprising that there are issues, uh, still in place. So Union Berlin and Hertha, they also were drew, drawn in the DFB Pokal. That's going to be at the Olympia Stadion. That will be the first, the Berlin Derby in the top flight of the Bundesliga that would have fans in attendance. Because uh, the, the first one, uh, Union versus Hertha, played uh, just like in uh, the last each of the last two seasons, has been played uh, behind closed doors, and it will be the first time for fans to be there. And right now, it's a huge discussion point of what do we think it's gonna be like because that's a high demand event. That's a huge, huge flipping stadium that will be full. I mean, let's be real, folks. Uh, uh, Dortmund, whose uh, stadium is only like only emitting like sixty-seven thousand. That's more than the the Waldstadion holds. Um, that's all that they're uh, hosting in the stadium. That's plenty of empty seats in there. You know, uh, Bayern München has yet to play in front of a full uh, Allianz Arena. Uh, I mean, it, it's a it's a. I know this is a difficult discussion, but it's one that needs a. Uh, it, it's one that needed to be brought to light. And the I thing is, it's an uncomfortable subject because yep. none of us want to be talking about this. I'd rather talk about how much I hate Kamadar or how much Il Sanker sucks or something like that. <laughs> but instead, we have to talk about this um, because what is happening off the pitch and the lack of fans, the lack of ultras, and the you know restricted uh, visiting blocks, all these kinds of things are affecting what goes on on the pitch. And it, it would be irresponsible to cover this club and talk about what's going on in German football without discussing the fact that things are not getting better. That fourth wave in Europe and another wave kicking us here in, in America. Um, we got to do this, guys. Because, I mean, I, I want to be in Frankfurt in the spring. And right now I can tell you I'm not taking my family there. So... Get your shit together so we can all have fun. Exactly. Um, if you need your booster, get your booster. Or just freaking protect yourself from other persons if you decide that vaccination is not for you. Or, hey, you know what? You might have a medical condition that prohibits you from getting the vac vaccination. You know what? Do your own part and mask up. That's uh, the bare minimum that I'm asking. 
for that. And uh, should one or two listeners say, oh, shut up, Brian. You know what? Uh, we will put uh, going forward. We'll make sure that in this uh, we'll make sure in the, the podcast notes that if you want to fast forward, we will give you the tag of where to hit fast forward. So, <sighs> Chris, I'm glad we got that one out of the way. Let's talk uh, that one had been that had been bubbling under the surface for a few months. We've been debating on whether to bring it to light, and I felt it had been long past time that it got brought into light. So, you know, one, one last talk. note on that: mm. there, there is a hypocritical factor in that we're sending these athletes and the dollar value that's attached to them as business um, items. We're sending them around the world to play soccer, to intermingle at an international level. You bring, you know players that that came to the united states from five six different countries or you know the south american teams coming from seven or eight nine different countries um that's not exactly smart during a pandemic so nope. the associations have the responsibility to uh to kind of answer to this pandemic and look at what's coming up in the next 12 months i mean we're 13 months from a world cup and i prefer to not be dealing with this. oh that is one that we will eventually talk about that I think everyone can get on board with in terms of the discussion there. And if anyone literally then wants to uh, poo-poo my feelings on that, well, <laughs> okay, we'll, we'll, we'll cross that bridge over the Rubicon when we get to the Rubicon. So, yeah. Time to talk about the match at hand before we, uh, which is what drives us about this, what drives us on when it comes to this foosball club. So last year uh, against Freiburg, we went down to the Black Forest in January of, uh, what was that, 2021, and we were uh, able to get a lovely draw in the cold in one of the crazier matches of that season and get a 2-2 draw. You know, it was a... It's not one that I'm going to forget anytime soon. Uh, (laughs) But, you know, move the clock just freaking 10 months later and you see an entirely different looking Bundesliga. Um, just to point out that Freiburg is currently sitting in third, a three point gap between themselves and fourth place Wolfsburg, uh, up there chasing Bayern. Well, we're trying to chase Bayern. They ended up losing in the last match day against Bayern when they went to Munich. Well, you know, most teams usually lose to Munich. Notice I said most teams. <laughs> <laughs> Oh gosh, I still that still just kind of baffles me. Anywho, uh yeah, we're facing up against a Freiburg team that look, they don't score as many goals as you would think cuz usually they're just kind of free flowing and everything, but really it's probably down to their defense that is that's been the most important item on this team. In case anyone's wondering, they've conceded 9 goals. This season, they're the only team to have conceded single-digit figures so far this season. Fuse goals conceded the best defense. It's a, it's a, 
these guys are really damn good. <laughs> Uh, but I put this mostly down to the fact that uh, Freiburg has benefited from the fact that usually they lose one to two major pieces. Everyone stayed. And you, when that happens and that team previously had, you know, done a good job, you know, uh, stayed up is usually their main aim. Try and be mid-table. If you get anything else, it's a nice bonus. So, you know, they finished one, like... Uh, mid-table-ish region wasn't really ever threatened by relegation able to go about their their uh, everyday match uh, uh, atmosphere and hey you know what they were able to do they kept everyone they have this new stadium that they have moved into so they had the fans buzzing for every single one of the initial home matches because anyone who attended the first four home matches of the season Got to take in the last moment in that Black Force Stadia. And you know what? Uh, now they're in the Europa Park, uh, their new home stadium. And so far, they've been kicking ass and taking names. So some people are going to be like, Brian, get to the point. The point is, this team has stability. This team has a winning mentality. This team also has a coach who just is an absolute uh, weirdo and unique guy <laughs> in Christian Streich. He'll talk philosophy when he should be talking about tactics during you know his pre-match press conferences. He's a he's it's an odd egg. He's guy. a unique fella to be sure, and. Uh, these Swabians, Oy. I'm not. I'm not looking forward to this weekend because this is a team who's. They're gonna give everyone fits. They like playing fast. They can play slow if they need to, but they've got skill everywhere. They've got talented players who've been playing in the Bundesliga for for more than a minute. And uh, in case anyone is wondering, some of the last three things that have uh, happened. So. Uh, Freiburg has been undefeated in each of their last nine matches. They've been on an absolute tear. And, you know, when it comes to just looking at the history, when we do go down to the Black Forest, eh, we it's hard to get lucky against these guys. Um, if anyone remembers uh, Abraham running into the coach and getting ejected, I mean... Both of uh, both teams had <laughs> red cards in that match. We we don't usually go down to the Black Forest and come out with a victory. So this is a tough one to swallow. But Chris, I'm predicting that the Eintracht is going to lose two to one in this. But it but it's going to be more down to Eintracht hit. Eintracht scores to level things and then immediately concedes uh, off of a piece of brilliance from someone like Vincenzo Grifo or, oh, I don't know, uh, Lucas Ola. Yeah. Um, you know, you're right. It's not easy to get points down there. Uh, but we stole a point last year when they were the hottest team in the Bundesliga uh, last December. They were scoring something like four goals a game over the previous month. And, I mean, they were white hot. And then mm -hmm. we went in there and just stole a point out of nowhere. Um, it's a club that historically has been really tough with us. Uh, it's a pretty even matchup historically. Now, it's going to be interesting because they've kind of done what we did and just 
swap formations every so often because they don't know what the hell they're doing either. Um, whether it's their middle-of-the-road scoring offense or their really good defense having a hard time spurring the, the offense forward, um, I think they have a little bit of an identity crisis. I think they're sitting third in the table is kind of a fraud, um, but they're good. Um, mm-hmm. And I don't really know how to take it. With the formation thing, if they sit back in a 3-4-3, three, three, uh, maybe that's one of those things where we go over the top, like served us well against Bayern, served us well in the past <laughs> against Dortmund, you know, because we're not going to pass the ball through a through a cluttered midfield. I mean, we can't sure. pass we can't pass when there's no opponent on the field. So we're definitely not going to be able to pass with 11 players in black and white out there. Um, so I'm going to go the over the top route. Uh, they don't have a lot of firepower offensively that worries me. Uh, just looking at the list of players here, nothing really sticks out. Um, Maximilian Agerstein joined them. Actually, his brother plays for Antwerp, who we have uh, midweek. So we'll get two of them two matches in a row. I don't think we're going to lose. I also don't think we're going to win. I think we come out with a draw 1-1. It's going to be sloppy. Coming out of the break, again, we're not one of those clubs where you think, yeah, we're great off the break or we're terrible off the break. Every break, we have a different result. Um, But this one, I think both clubs have a lot to figure out right now. Um, And we can steal a point off of them. They're they're a fraud uh, at that number three in the table but they're also good defensively. So I think we get one and that might be enough to hold on. Well, fingers crossed that the Eintracht can get a result. I will point out, Chris, who laughed at me during the season preview when we went over who's going to qualify for Europe. Who said that Freiburg is likely to be it finishing in the top seven? Are you really going to award European spots when it's not even December yet? Um, I look at this team and the fact that, uh, all the team that, okay, look at the table that's below them. They're the, like, you have to go all the way down to seventh place. Mines, uh, can't even freaking <laughs> wrap my head around that. Uh, but you got to go all the way down to seventh place to find a team that is playing in only the Bundesliga. Yeah. Just just laying that out there, like everyone else is participating in Europe in some form or another. And but I mean, there, it, there's a big disparity. They're benefiting from that, and like right now, you could almost say that you know, get the point. Those guys can just get the points now while they can, because you know the Bundesliga is a long slog. It's not as like multiple fixtures like some of the other leagues around Europe, but. This is if you only have the Bundesliga to play for, which they do. They're not, uh, they well, actually they still. Excuse me, I will stand corrected. Uh, they're still in the World Cup, so uh, in January we'll have the round of sixteen for that one. But for them, they're benefiting from the fact that you know what, everyone's everyone will take points off of everyone, and if you happen to not have to deal with Europe. It's a little reason why I believe that the Eintracht finished in the place that they did last season. Entirely down to the fact that, you know, we were knocked out in the second round 
and we only had to play our one Bundesliga match per week without the uh, European distractions that, you know, uh, Borussia Dortmund or uh, Wolfsburg and Leipzig have when it comes to, um, you know, the European matches. Because for Dortmund, Wolfsburg, and Leipzig, you know, they can't afford to take off. They really need every single point that they can get at their European matches. And, I mean, notice that I'm leaving out one team because doesn't really fucking matter. They just freaking trounce everyone. They've already qualified for the knockout phase. It's kind of Brian, ridiculous. L- let me ask you this. Um, seeing mm. Freiburg sitting at three, when I call him a fraud, uh, you know, you've seen Leipzig play. You've seen Leverkusen play. Uh, I don't care what the, the table and the points say. I don't think Freiburg's up there. I I see them there because that's where we are you know, 11 weeks into the year. But I think, uh, honestly, I think Mines has played better than Freiburg. I think Wolfsburg mm. is better. Leipzig is better. And I just don't see enough firepower on the stat sheet to show me uh, that Freiburg is a threat. And for as much as we hate our club sitting down at 14 right now, um, take out a couple of bad matches and we don't have a terrible defense. Mm-hmm. Oh, you mean, oh, well, I would definitely take out that first match. That was that was woeful. <laughs> yeah, I mean, <laughs> we just look, got taken apart by our freaking nature. Granted, yeah. I mean, honestly, we're we're a moody diva, but when the diva dresses up, she looks great. It's just those other ones <laughs> that we can't get out of our head. Yeah, that's true. That's true. I kind of mentioned. Uh, I mean, in addition to our match being uh, so clutch, um, we have. In the past, talked about uh, some of our uh, difficulties, uh, us being a diva. So one of our fans uh, got in contact with us. And uh, so Vigard Grandum uh, from Norway. Hello, bud. uh, Asked us, how long will Glasner last and who would be a possible replacement? Sounds like someone has been listening to multiple members of this podcast, not including myself, and wanting in the Glasner Rouse camp. Um, Chris, yeah, you can. St- I'll take, take a this stab one. With that one. Yeah. Um, how two part question? How long will he last, and who would be a replacement? Um, I'll start with how long will he last. I think it would be a mistake to pull the trigger before the end of the year. Um, we don't have a lot to gain as far as if you let him go before the end of the end of the season, you're inviting chaos in, in what might be a relegation battle. Let's just be honest. We're in a battle and love him or hate him. If he's the reason that we're in this battle, getting rid of him and, you know, having more uncertainty is, probably not going to help stabilize the situation. Now, if um, Kraus and the other guys on the board see this as, hey, the only way to save us is to let him go, then fine, you make that decision. But for me, there's no tactical advantage that from my perspective, 4,000 miles away, that says let him go before the end of the year. Now, as far as replacements, I think that has to do with who is on the board at the end of the year. There's going to be, uh, I'm sorry, the the vacancy, coaching vacancy board. Um, mm-hmm. 
there's going to be big names out there. There's a lot of big clubs in peril right now. And as much as we're not a big club, we look in the second division if you want to work. I'm, if you want to look for somewhere that's got a lot of big clubs in turmoil. Yeah, <laughs> I I'm very happy being someone's rebound. Don't get me wrong; we can rebound with the best of them. So if somebody gets fired out of La Liga, or oh, we don't like to go there for coaches, um, but you know wherever we're willing to go, um, Frankfurt isn't a sexy name. But it's a good, visible opportunity to get yourself back out there. So if Glasner is going to be out, especially at the end of the year, um, I say we wait and see who's available. Because who's available now or in January, will be it'll be an entirely different slate of names than who's available come June. I think that's very well placed. Uh, for me, I think the... Um, how long Glasner lasts? I honestly believe that worst, very worst case scenario that we're having to find a new coach in like uh, February. But we're talking like this: the world is caving in on Eintracht. Uh, we're talking about suddenly Greutherfeld, Augsburg, and Bielefeld are picking up points. At a very fast canter, yeah. like by the way, starting to put us in a dangerous, dangerous position. Which, I mean, look, if you look at Groetefurth, it's a lot of mishaps and maybes. But we did not play good, and we came out with the win. That was just how shitty they are. So there's plenty of indication that we're pulling out of this tailspin. It, it's not. Mm-hmm. It's not enough to make me think we're back. You know where we need to be. But there's indications that we can put, I mean, we've won two of our last three road matches. Uh, we win this weekend, that's three out of four on the road. So, you know, there's indications that we're playing better. We're finding a little bit of rhythm, albeit ugly. Um, I'm not writing Glasner out. Uh, I'm not writing it in pen yet. It's in pencil, but I still got the eraser <laughs> available. Um, you know, it, it's a question mark right now. But if we make little incremental improvements here before the January break, uh, I'm willing to see him out through the end of the year. Same here. Um, I honestly believe that the, uh, I mean, he, look, he's different than Audi Hutter or Niko Kovac was before him. I mean, this man is uh, just, look, on the sidelines, you can see that he's passionate. We just have gotten spoiled with what we've had in the, our last two managers. And this is more of a pragmatic sort of guy. And look, it took him a long time to get Lask Lintz performing at a high-end level, and suddenly they were challenging Red Bull Salzburg for the Austrian Bundesliga title. In case anyone has no idea, uh, that is not a league that's got a lot of clubs that have much money. And you basically look at the two Vienna clubs and Salzburg, and that's, uh, it, it's, there's not as much as you might think after those three. Now, is that, am I, am I the world's greatest uh, Austrian Bundesliga expert? No, but I can, I can look at a map. I can look at a stadia. I can look at uh, like who's playing international duty where to kind of point out who is likely to finish where. And he got Lascalance to 
finish at a very high end that they were qualifying for the group stages of the Europa League and, you know, and doing rather decently for themselves. So give him, I am still in the give him time camp, whereas some people want him out. So look, time will tell with this. And uh, even when uh, the clock strikes that it is time for him to go, wherever, whenever that happens, all of us will still be here. We will still be here talking about the Eintracht on Hey Eintracht Frankfurt and never losing faith in our club as an entity because if we lose that, then our souls are gone. Let's be real. <sighs> I laugh at that, but uh, as dark as that was, let's look at some of the other interesting bits that are about the Bundesliga before we say adieu. For this episode of Hey Andre Frankfurt, Chris, I was looking at some uh, betting odds for some of the matches for this weekend. Uh, I think the most entertaining one is, well, the most entertaining match itself, I think it's got to be, if if you need an underdog entertaining match, I think Mainz and Cologne is can will offer up on Sunday the match immediately after Eintracht versus Freiburg. I think that's going to offer up quite possibly some of the better fireworks. Mines, as we mentioned, is in seventh place. They're kind of just like, you know, doing well. Bo Svensson, I mean, ever since he's been put in as the Mainz manager, good grief. Uh, they've been uh, performing at the higher end of the table for Mainz and got them out of what seems like a death spiral. And Cologne has been rather interesting uh, under Stefan Baumgarten. So I, I, I'm looking at uh, this match outside of our own Eintracht as one that's interesting uh, to watch. And um, if I had to put money on an upset for this week, I would definitely go for Bochum or for Leverkusen. Um, yeah, am I still a little butthurt about how Bochum defeated the Eintracht? Yes, but... Uh, if you actually look at what they have been able to achieve as a team, it's not just been that they were able to defeat the Eintracht. They have actually uh, been able to, they rattled off a win against Goreto Firth ahead of that, uh, win in the Pokal against Augsburg, and a win against Hoffenheim, minus a, a tighter law, a 2-1 loss to uh, Gladbach. They've been really bouncing, and why not put a little bit of money on an upset special with Bochum over Leverkusen? What are your thoughts on the Bundesliga? Um, I'm going to go with one that's completely off anyone else's grid. Uh, I, I'm i going to put my real money on this one, too. Just one, one unit, whether you're betting the hundreds or the tens or the dollar bills. Um, I'm going to put my money this weekend... On Bielefeld over Wolfsburg. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not joking on that one either. Um, I I truly there there's an upset waiting to happen there. None of the other. I looked at Stuttgart over Dortmund. That's not going to happen. No, that's not. Um, gonna that's not going to happen at all. Um, but they're Bielefeld, in their own death spiral. We want to complain about ourselves. They, they were sitting up high a few weeks ago, and they it just totally collapsed. But uh, really, honestly, Bielefeld is a very tough team. We know this because we just can't get over the hump with them. Um, they they don't have a lot of talent. They still struggle to score goals. But I think they're going to step up here. They didn't have many guys traveling on the break. And that might be to their advantage. All right. 
Interesting, interesting. All right, that's going to wrap it up for this episode of Hey, I'm Trapped Frankfurt. I'd like to thank Chris in Detroit for joining me here. Chris, where can we find you in the social media landscape world? All right. I am on Twitter, Discord, and all the social media channels at CNTheD313. You can follow me on Twitter. That is at KCSGE. The show Twitter handle is at HEFPod. Instagram, uh, yeah. Give us a like if you have not. Uh, Matt is doing some fun stuff with that. It's fun and engaging, and you get to interact with uh, some other people, including club presidents. <sighs> Can't believe us. Can't Call believe us. I let that one slip. <laughs> <laughs> that is Hey Eintracht Frankfurt for Instagram. Facebook is facebook.com slash H-E-F pond. And, uh, of course, you can always drop us an email, whether it's good or bad. Uh, we'll always discuss it uh, here on the podcast. That is at, that is heyeintrachtfrankfurt at gmail.com. So, from all of us here, hey, Frankfurt, uh cheer on the Eintracht on Sunday against Freiburg. And here's hoping that we're able to get a lovely victory that will shoot us up, 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 up the table. Uh, because I think that uh, the Eintracht will be able to take advantage of the fact that uh, um, Cologne, Hoffenheim, and Hertha Berlin, and mm, maybe not exactly Gladbach, uh, will be dropping points in the meantime and can make the Eintracht move further and further up to that mid-table position where we all expected them to be. So until next time, choose. I mean, honestly, we're, we're a moody diva. When the diva dresses up, she looks great. Oh, man, it sounds so good. I know some people are probably saying, how dare you bring this up, but never losing faith in our club. Hey,